This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 451, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Hey everybody, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 451. My name is Paul Montgomery. Joining me, Mr. Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And sitting in for Josh this week is one of the hosts of the DLC and We Have Concerns podcast, Jeff Kanata. Hey guys, uh, it is in my contract that I can only be here when <laughs> Josh is not. We tried. We tried last time when Paul was out. I know. It ended up working out. I wanted to so badly, but uh, yeah, I was my, that was my fault, my schedule. So normally, we are iFanboy, we like comics, and every week we read a bunch of comics, and one of us picks the best book that we read, and we call that the pick of the week. We talk about it on this year's podcast, along with all the other things, uh, along with our other concerns, topical, talk about our concerns, and various other topics of interest and other goofy nonsense. Uh, but before we get to the show, just a quick reminder, we are going to be talking about all the people that died in the comics, all the things that happened, all the important things, all the things you might know as spoilers. We will be talking about those. So if you're worried about that, pause the show, come back when you're ready, and you can join us for a conversation about our pick of the week, which Connor had, and that was what? Well, before we get to the name, I want you, to, you guys to come back with me to November 5th, 2005. Ooh, that's and a long time ago. That was the very first episode of the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. And on that show, we talked about Jonah Hex number one. Whoa. And uh, so almost nine years later, nine years and just a few months, eight years, just a few months shy of nine, uh, we have the final issue of Jonah Hex and All-Star Western number 34. And uh, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's really sad, the book's ending. It's one of my favorite books. If you listen to the show, you know that Josh and I love this book and it it's sad because it's been a book that's literally been there since the very first episode of this podcast. But also, it's pretty amazing that they they did nine years of a Western. It is. In this day and age where genre books that are not superhero don't tend to get picked up, especially when you're talking about DC or Marvel comics. Uh, you know, everyone, people were lamenting online about the, the, the cancellation of this book, but it, it was over 100 issues of a Jonah Hex comic. Um, and it was pretty awesome most of the way through. So I, I am sad it's ending, but I'm also pretty celebratory that we got to read over 100 issues of this series. Uh, this was the final issue drawn by Darwin Cook, and it was a nice little bow on the end of the Jonah Hex story. And it was pretty clever, I thought. Did you guys read this? Yeah. The, oh, that? yeah. Have you Fantastic. guys been reading it all the way through? I've been reading it intermittently. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the character, but I did uh, I did jump back on when it got relaunched uh, with the new 52. And, um, uh, you know, I've, I've been enjoying it here and there, but I'm not it's not a every month. Mm-hmm. But this this issue is fantastic. I would say intermittently is is the fair term for me, too. Um, I preferred it as Jonah Hex before it went to uh, All Star Western and ended up, you know, in Gotham and everything like that. But this is a return to like this could just as easily be Jonah Hex. Well, the last couple of issues yeah. have been this way, but what was interesting about this story? We'll get into Darwin Cook in a second because there's a lot to say about about that. But absolutely. Um, so if you've been following along, you know that uh, Jonah Hex 
he ran into booster a time traveling booster gold and he was sent to the future uh where he got plastic surgery and his face was fixed but he also uh saw the end of his own story he went to a, a museum that was doing a western show and they had his mummified body on display and they had they named the circumstances of his death and it was pretty similar to the sort of canonical Jonah Hex story in which as an old man, he was killed by a man named George Barrow at a card game when he was old. Um, so here we have Jonah and Tallulah Black who are enjoying a really nice swim and a really great – Paul, we talked about last week actually, which was pretty funny, Darwin Cook being the best panel-to-panel storyteller. And mm-hmm. here we got a bunch of silent sequences that really sort of back that up. I was but, kind of excited at the beginning that it might be a whole silent issue, but it's you know it's fine that there were some words. That was okay. <laughs> um but what's great was so Jonah Hex and Tula Black, they find find out that someone's been impersonating Jonah Hex because he's been gone. He was in the future. He was nowhere to be found. So somebody filled that gap and went around pretending to be him. And so they track him down. A, a gunfight happens. And what ends up happening is Jonah Hex impersonates his own murderer, kills the uh, duplicate Jonah Hex. And everyone thinks Jonah Hex is dead. And, and he and Tula Black sail off into the sunset. They use, take their money and buy a boat. But it was a nice little way to... Uh, cap the ending of this story by Jonah Hex killing himself in a way and getting to finally, you know, live a quiet life of peace. I got, and again, I got excited a little bit because I thought they were doing sort of a backdoor pilot that we were going to get Jonah Hex pirate stories and then he <laughs> kind of nixes that. But, uh, and I also like that the um, the faux Jonah Hex is kind of a sad sack kind of character. It's not mm-hmm. just like bizarro Jonah Hex and he's he's meaner and badder and everything. He's kinda he's kinda he's kinda Jonah Heft. He's just a bit <laughs> paunchy. And you can see in a couple of the pages uh Darwin Cook gives Jonah Hex sort of a, a bemused smile when he's dealing with the fake Jonah Hex like this guy's an idiot. Yep. Yeah. Um but what was great was, you know, so it turns out it wasn't the his body on display in the future. It was this other guy's body and it was you know he he really got to end his story. And I, I liked that as a way to end this, this run on the book. But, um, you know, J- Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray are the writers, and J- Jimmy Palmiotti is a good friend of Darwin Cook, so he, he has come along occasionally to do an issue of this series. Uh, most, um, I guess most notably with the issue where Tulu Black was thought to have died, and I actually have a page of that on my wall in my apartment. Well, that's nice. Uh, it's a really, it was a really great issue. But here he comes out to end the story, and he just, he's just so good and his storytelling is great, and the silent sequences are great, and he gives so much character to these these characters in their faces and their acting. It's it's really a wonderful uh, artistic story here too. Yeah, I also, couldn't agree more, man. There's also some really great just close up shots, and just when when Tallulah or Jonah is is looking at each other, it's usually you know over the shoulder or something. And uh, there's a lot of intimacy in this book, a lot of cutaways. Dude, there, oh, there's going to be some sexy times now, uh, and there's a lot of. Uh, you know, wry glances towards each other, knowing glances. And uh, so I think that goes towards the uh, the storytelling that we're talking about that Darwin is also great at. Yeah. Yeah, it makes you want to have that kind of relationship. Like, he's, oh, he's the luckiest dude in the world, <laughs> you know? It's it's cool. And and he's also a badass. Yeah. He, he gets to be a badass. I mean, there's that awesome splash page image with him standing in front of the burning building, um, just being as awesome as he can possibly be. Um, he kind of goes unforgiven at the end there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, it's it's a fantastic issue. I mean, it's a it, total standalone. You talk about how it ties into all the lore and um, pulls things together that have been uh, breadcrumbed 
mm-hmm. from earlier stuff, but it also is this amazing standalone story of just a cool revenge tale, a cool like uh, cool western, yep, iconic western cliche, but but told really well. Yeah, what's great is if you're a longtime fan, you you recognize these things, but if not, you just get a really fantastic story of a you know guy coming to town, and, and there's just really great moments like Jonah doing some reconnaissance and see, oh this this gang really doesn't shoot very well, so it's not going to be a problem, and he just yeah. he just walks in and takes them all out. It just it was a great encapsulation of his character, and Tulu Black has been as important to this book as Jonah Hex has been, so it was very fitting that they it wasn't just him alone at the end; it was him with her, and they they got to have that that closure to the story. You know, some people might think, well, you know, is it, is it in John X's character to want to sail off into the sunset, but he's earned it over these last 10 years. He's, he's, he's had it rough and he sees, he saw a little glimpse of the future. Didn't like it. Didn't like the end of his own story. So he got to change that. And it was an, it was a wonderful final page of their, of their cowboy hats mm-hmm. sitting on the rail as the boat sails off literally yeah. into the sunset. Uh, my favorite three panels in the whole issue are the, are the ones where the, the, Young kid comes busting into the door like, oh, dang, watch out here. He's coming in. And then the, the same exact panel, he gets an, an, an axe to the head. <laughs> it's a hatchet to the face. And yep. then, uh, you know, and then Jonah Hex is there in the in the doorway. Uh, it's great. Storytelling. It's so rad. And then if you look back on the previous page, as he's walking up the stairs, the hatchet is stowed in his back. Oh, right. Yeah. So it's this wonderful, like, consistency there of <laughs> where the hatchet comes from. It's just just great. Yeah. So Paul uh fitting ending? I believe so. Yeah, I, and I like I like those kind of endings where, you know, they could potentially have some more adventures. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of the it's the ultimate sort of uh, you know, get out of jail free card that, you know, for a vigilante like this or a, or a bounty hunter that, you know, you have the clean slate. Um everybody thinks you're dead and so you can have other adventures under another name. Or multiple other names, uh, and I love those two as a couple. And uh, yeah, I, I just love these characters. Uh, I have an Amanda Connor uh, little Tallulah Black uh, sketch that she did at a show a few years back, and they're wonderful characters. Yeah. And I was I was I was slightly concerned. It was okay. Are we going to do the thing where Jonah like re-injures his lip or something? Well, I, <laughs> I, 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 I was just wondering <laughs> that whole time. That. Is he going to do it on purpose? Like, is he going to have her heat up a knife and stick it in his face or? Something. There's but. no organic way to do that, and it's it, it's it was an interesting choice when I found out that they were doing that. That you know he was going to get the surgery, and I guess it makes sense if you're going to the modern day. But for the character, can you imagine Jonah like willingly going under the knife? And well, no, not absolutely not. Um, but I did like that. It, it did seem to subtly change his outlook on things. You know, he's not it does he's yeah not monster anymore outwardly. Right. So he can he can sail off into the sunset. And uh, I just really liked it. I'm, again, I'm sad. I was th- the more I think about it, the sadder I get. But also, really fitting ending. And you don't really get those kind of things. And it really is amazing that DC put out a Western for almost nine years. So, And, I mean, at this point, it just awesome. kind of feels like a creator-owned thing. It just feels like Palmiotti and Gray created these characters. And, mm-hmm. you know, Tallulah's theirs, right? But, yes. um, but you know, Jonah, I think there there are some great Jonah Hex stories from earlier. But... They really put their stamp on this character. Yep, I'm with you though, Paul. Man, I'm ready for Jonah Hex pirate stories, <laughs> right? I mean, that... has anybody ever done pirates versus cowboys in any? That sounds so awesome to I me. I did. I did a script in college because I realized that I could, like, in the timeline, the end of pirates and the beginning of cowboys. You could kind of, 
and I had samurais in there too. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Paul, why are you giving us that over the air? We should be talking about this. It was not a very good script. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. All-Star Western 34 was the pick of the week. Uh, so that that maybe we should end the show now too because it was the first episode of the first show. <laughs> we'll there's so many about. great comics to talk about though. Like all all new X Men 31, which was the latest from uh, Bendis with new artist Mahmoud Asrar, and uh, so this was interesting because um, we, we 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 find a mutant who has the ability to open up portals between different universes, which allows us to have a full on Ultimate Universe crossover here. In fact, the issue opens in the Ultimate Universe. And then ends with Ultimate Spider-Man running. I was like, wait a minute, Comicsology open up the right thing. What's going on? Here? <laughs> I had that same moment of like, wait, wait, what? And I then I remembered. Went back oh, and looked right at the there. title page. Yeah. <laughs> so what what do we think about this issue? I think it's interesting that this is sort of a transition issue. I think. I mean, they're they're setting up the the whole idea of um, of going back and forth between the different realities. And this is something that Bendis has played with. I mean, I guess starting with um, Spider-Man, mm-hmm. uh, with meshing the two worlds, particularly with uh, with Miles. But um, but there's also some, like, relationship stuff going on. So it's, it's in, in one aspect, it's a cool-down issue from the previous adventure, but then we're also starting up these other crazy things. So it's, a, it's an interesting issue structurally. Um, and I like, obviously... Bendis, when he does, you know, teen relationship stuff, it's it's a lot of fun. And I liked the bits with, uh, I think I gravitated more towards the bits with Gene and uh, with X-23 talking mm-hmm. about Angel and can she trust him and all this stuff. And playing into the telepathy and everything, um, I, I think I, I latched on more towards, more towards that than the uh, alternate reality stuff. Do you not feel good about the crossing over? I, um... No, I, th- I think he's handled it pretty well before. So I mean, but I mean, like conceptually. Conceptually, not yeah, as an idea. Um, I th- I think there was some suggestion that oh, is this are we going to bring Miles into uh, the six one six, and that's going to be a permanent thing? But I think they've sort of established that that's not going to happen. That it's just a crossover. Well, here Gene ends up ends up in the Ultimate Universe, right? But uh, hmm, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, you've I, I got didn't... you've already got so it's kind of like you've got Cyclops in outer space, the young Cyclops in outer space mm-hmm. at this point. Um, is that sort of the way that they're going to? Are they just going to scatter them all, all over the place, or are they ever going to end up together again? I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem anymore. I think, I think now that the the horse is out of the barn and they've already made the jokes about how they're out of ideas that. Might as well play with it a little bit and see see what kind of fun scenarios we can get. I like I like the idea of a Spider Man. I mean, we all love the Spider Men miniseries. Yeah, I like the idea of a Spider Man. You know, finding this new world and seeing all these different characters and versions of himself. So that's interesting. Oh yeah, I I think definitely the horse is out of the barn. Um, And so to that extent, I was like, okay, I understand what's happening. Aside from that thing of, am I reading the right issue? When I (laughs) when I figured out what was going on, I was like, okay, and. It's been established. It's sort of like that suspension of disbelief has, has already been played with, and since it's Bendis, so I was like, okay, I understand, and I'm, actually, I'm cool. With it. I actually really liked this opening sequence in which uh, T- Drunker Tony Stark and, and Amadeus Cho lose their their opening it's between the dimensions, and I thought that was a nice scene. I liked I liked Cho's sort of realization and breakdown that it was gone, but um, I don't like the fact that the the uh, 
Dimensional portal looks like the Sentry's logo. I don't like what that implies. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that, but you're right. Worried about yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I also, you know, in the past, people have complained that Bendis writes all the characters with the same voice, and he, he does for the most part, but I never really mind it because I like the voice, and it's entertaining. But um, here he, you know, one of the things he does a lot is he gives, he has a lot of the characters spouting um uh, slang that is uh, that is um, Hebrew. What the Hangala <laughs> bit? Yeah. So uh, I just couldn't think of the word. Um, so he has like, like Peter Parker. He did that a lot with, which is you know it doesn't really make sense, but okay. But here he has the waspiest of wasps, Warren Worthington. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> right. If there was um, a, yeah, saying you know a, a bubula pun, and it's just kind of like. It was an eyebrow razor. Um, of all the characters, <laughs> this doesn't work with, with him. Um, but other than that. Well, uh, if you think about the weird shifting timeline and where they came from, that could be right around the era of uh, Coffee Talk, Mike Myers. <laughs> and, and, way, to, way to retcon that decision, man. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's possible. So the, the X-Men are all big Sentinel Live fans. They sit around watching, yeah. Well, that could be, I guess, but uh, it just didn't ring true from a really up, you know, upscale New Canaan, Connecticut <laughs> wasp like or Warren Worthington. Just playing devil's advocate with the angel, but uh, or angel, that, not the I angel. Enjoyed it. Jeff, what did you think of this issue? You know, I I'm not a big fan of all the messiness of mixing <laughs> universes and uh, young X Men hanging out with young X Men, but we're at a different time period. I, yeah, uh, all that stuff is a little fatiguing for me but i you know bendis is such a charming writer it's fun I, my favorite x-men comics from you know my child from the claremont eras my, uh, my childhood um is those decompression episodes the the softball games mm-hmm. and those kinds of uh, issues and that's why i i really liked aspects of this book the most is you know we get a lot of that kids being kids uh you know he likes you do you like him kind of fun just interplay um, I'm anxious to see where this goes and if, if it's worth all of this messiness, but, um, I don't know. I just, I'm not a fan of that kind of thing in, in my fiction, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it just feels, it just feels so contrived and it's just like, well, we're, we're trying to do this to try to do it rather than, uh, rather than because there's some internal logic that makes it smart you know i wish that they just rebooted marvel because i love these young versions of the characters so much that yeah just if you want to do those characters do those characters but um god no yiddish slang what am i saying i shouldn't do this show before i have lunch <laughs> um so that was uh all, all new x-men 31 did either of you guys read batman superman 13 i did not. yeah i did um paul you would have i think really enjoyed this issue because of course it was I would. the start of a new arc uh jay lee is back on art duties and it's mostly uh, focusing on Lois Lane and Catwoman, and uh, that sounds like fun. In this issue, it's very Jay Lee, man. Yeah, it's- in this issue, both Superman and Batman have amnesia, and it they it's a really fun play on, you know, Superman is in Gotham and Batman's in Metropolis, and neither one knows who they are, and Superman doesn't know why he can do these things. And Batman doesn't is freaking out that he's dressed like he is, <laughs> and uh, it really allows for a lot of fun. Like I liked when when. When Batman figures out he's Bruce Wayne and gets all dressed up and is going to go out in the town because he he's it's pretty awesome to be rich and handsome. But yeah, uh, it's that scene that 
a lot of superheroes get, like Spider-Man, for example, that scene of discovering your powers and realizing how awesome it can be to have superpowers. It's a scene that Batman never gets. Yes. Right? You know, Batman's the sullen guy who comes to his abilities by hard work and sweat and sadness, you know, and right. so to get There's to no have joy. Batman, to have a little bit of joy. Yeah. To have Batman go, oh, this is cool. I can, you know, jump off a building and be awesome. And also I'm rich. This is great. And since <laughs> he doesn't favorite. have like traditional powers, it's like, oh, I'm really smart. I'm really good at deducing <laughs> things. Well, my yeah. favorite panel was when, you know, he, he accidentally summons the Batmobile and it shows up and he's like, oh, hell yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it was a really fun and the start of, start of an arc. So, Paul, I think I suggest you go back and get this I one. I will. Um, but I liked Catwoman, show, you know, coming upon a naked Superman. And then it was just, it was really fun. And I, I'm a big Jay Lee fan. And it, it, I was so, I was happy with, with the way it looked. But his, I know his spindly little Batman. I don't know. I don't know about that. But. I kind of like it. Yeah. I just, I, I like that he has such a strong artistic and, um, direction mm-hmm. and he has a vision. And he doesn't look like anything else being drawn. That's for sure. Um, great scene where the where the subway just uh, derails, and there's a oh, yeah. shot of the subway coming off the uh, monorail thing. But um, really fun if you're a Lois Lane Catwoman fan. It, this is, this seems fun. Eye of Satanus, part one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Although I guess next issue we're gonna go to the future's end thing. I guess we'll return to this after that stupid mm, future. I don't know why you start a new arc right before meddling with Puck and what he's doing with all these crossovers and stuff. What is Guardians of the Galaxy? I think I feel like I've heard of it. Guardians of the <laughs> Galaxy. I wanted to mention Guardians of the Galaxy number eighteen because this is the much heralded, um, and that's that in in any other situation that would be a pun, but it's not. Um, <laughs> the return. Wait till of, we talk about Super Surfer for your hair. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the return of a uh, of well, not the return of Richard Ryder, but the explanation for why um why Peter Quill Star-Lord has returned from the Cancerverse from the end of the Thanos imperative uh to the new Guardians of the Galaxy run and Rich Rider hasn't only what to is be it? replaced by New Cap <laughs> If you thought silly, you know silly me I thought it would all be explained in one issue not so much oh. Um, to be continued. To be continued and there's a bit of peddling in this in this issue in terms of like Gamora is interrogating Peter and basically what happened? What's going on? Why are you back from the cancerverse? And I don't know why she's questioning him right now when this has been going on for a while, or maybe this well, is the movie's that out. Know. The movie's <laughs> she's out. That Thanos is alive. We right? need That's to explain this. Yeah. And you know, I wish she would have mentioned, you know, Scarlet, Witch's closet and all that kind <laughs> of thing as a, as a potential MacGuffin. But uh, she basically just interrogates him, and then you have to turn your iPad sideways because all the flashbacks are in uh, horizontal view. And uh, have I mentioned I love my iPad and things look great on it? Sorry. Shut up. Okay. Anyways, it's uh, it has to do with the Cosmic Cube. Uh, Thanos is basically saying, give me the Cosmic Cube. I will save us all. And you don't know what you're doing with that cube, Peter Quill. And... Peter's like, no, we want you to die, and we're willing to sacrifice ourselves, so we're going to hang out here. And Drax shows up, even though— A lot like the end of the movie, actually. <laughs> a little bit like that, a little bit. And basically, it, it's, it's got something to do with the Cosmic Cube, and it's we're still finding out. I, I feel like there is not a whole lot of information in this particular issue. Um, I think it's, it's an original Sin tie-in, so— they're spreading it out across. I don't know, two, maybe three issues. I didn't. I didn't check, but I got an email about this issue from someone I'm going to call uh, Richard Ronaldson. Okay, Whoa. 
from Northport, Long Island, and he was very upset that they spelled Richard Ryder's name wrong throughout the entire issue. Oh, did they? I didn't. I wasn't even paying attention. But they spelled it with a, a Y with apparently. A... The Ryder. Mm. And it's always been spelled R I D E R. He's very upset about it. I just felt like I had to mention it. Soft reboot for the spelling <laughs> of that character's name. Uh, but it was good to see, you know, Rich Ryder back again, uh, cracking jokes about maybe we should buy an apartment together here in the Cancerverse. I saw we saw like from the the Thanos Imperative miniseries, which was a lot of fun and big crazy ideas as Abnet is wont to do. Uh, I always thought the Cancerverse was just a crazy idea. And just like, what's the most hyperbolic name for a terrible place that you could end up? The Cancerverse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I guess AIDSverse was too much. Oh. Yeah. I, well, ca- cancer actually, I mean, it, it's it's a cancerous universe. It's Yeah. It it behaves like a cancer. So. I was making a joke in so contextualized. <laughs> well, one of the things I got to do uh, when I was off on vacation was let a whole stack of comics build up. And so then when I came back, I've been slowly making my way through those that I didn't read while I was gone, including a whole bunch of image books like Outcast from Robert Kirkman and uh, Paul Azaceta. Mm-hmm. And so I read two and three back to back this week. And I'm holding the wrong one. This is three. Um, With the orange one. Yes. Uh, I really like this book. I think, I don't, it's, I think it's really I, pretty. I don't. <laughs> yeah. I wish I did. I wanted to like it. I'm, I'm, I yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle, I guess, because I enjoyed enough, but um, I've, I've never been wild about Kirkman's scripts. So uh, I think the art so and storytelling. Dark. There's that. Well, too. I mean, that's, he's that, into, he's, that's what he's into. I, I really like, I think for me, I really like that the priest character isn't your typical priest character. Yeah. You know, he smokes, he drinks, he plays cards, he gambles, for, he gambles, in, in order to pay for the church roof. I mean, like, yeah. I like that he is not your typical small town that's, southern church, uh, preacher character. That's the uh, the broad church reversal. Right. It's so not the, It's not the priest. Although in this issue, I guess apparently John Constantine shows up at the end. But um, <laughs> uh, I just, I read, reading them back to back, I really did get immersed into the characters in the story. I like the main character a lot, although I couldn't tell you his name. But um, mm. he's in a very dicey scenario where everyone thinks he beat his wife, even though he was... She was possessed by a demon. So he's sort of an outcast in this town, no matter what he does. And now there's this mysterious man in black in town. I just, you know, I'm not really into usually dark and horror stuff, but uh, for some reason I like it when Kirkman does it. I think there's a lot of good atmosphere. And the Paul, as I said, art is wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i tempted. Actually, yeah, I'll probably keep going with it just because I love the art so much. And I, did, and I do like the twist of, you know, him being blamed for, you know, being an abuser and he's not really. Um, and, but how do you, how, how do you explain, well, it, it was possession, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not she a batterer. She's, yeah. yeah, she was a demon. That's so that's, that's kind of an interesting conundrum. Um, it, but I mean, the, as I said, of stuff, as you said, it's, it's gorgeous. And the little inset panels um, for like the incidental, like detail shots of like when it, he does stuff like when, when you're going for a doorknob or a lock or a key or something <laughs> like that. And that sequence where, um, the the near hit and run where the priest mm-hmm. shows up that was just uh, like a beautifully told sequence mm-hmm. yeah good stuff i mean just art wise really good stuff mm-hmm. yeah i agree with you guys about the art it's uh it's really good i, I just have i don't know it's just so so depressing and, and <laughs> you're not dark. supposed to you're not supposed to kiss like that you're not supposed to take the person's tongue with you <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> not nice yeah and it i don't know dark. some I, of the some of the internal 
fiction of it is is weird. I don't think it was in this issue, but the maybe the one before it was like we we find out his blood is demon kryptonite and uh yeah so why do demons constantly hang out with the guy whose blood is demon kryptonite or, and even worse why do they bite his hand like that seems like a bad choice for a demon but i don't know I, well, i'm sure well, it's, it's all the, gonna it's make the, sense it's but. the it's the drug thing right it's like if you're if you're an addict and like why are you hanging out with those people you're not supposed to, you shouldn't be hanging out with them you get in so trouble demons Demons just uh, hanging out with the wrong crowd. That's what it is. <laughs> and I mean, if anybody's going to hang out with the wrong crowd, it's going to be demons. Because they're, cause they're <laughs> That's all... Good point. good point. So now I'm going to guess that, Jeff, you read Silver Surfer and Paul did not. There you go. I, I love Silver Surfer so much. Paul, oh, again, you blew it. On paper, uh, uh, probably right up my alley, but I haven't enjoyed it. But I, I warned you last month that a Defenders issue was coming up. And this was the issue with Doctor Strange and the Hulk. It's so great. Oh, I like this. So characters. good. And uh, so this and it's this issue is totally a one shot. I mean, there is a continuing story here about the Silver Surfer and Don Greenwood, his spunky sidekick. But uh, this issue itself was just a one shot. And uh, as a fan of Doctor Strange and the Hulk, Paul, you should be checking this out. But Jeff, why don't you tell people why this book is so much fun? I love talk about you know you you brought up how uh, Bendis seems to write everybody with the same voice. This is a book where everybody has their own voice, and it's so fun. The inter- I love the Silver Surfer that we're getting in this that the the cosmic being who has no interpersonal skills with people <laughs> on Earth, and yet is hanging out with this charming young lady <laughs> that he has to defend. Uh, he is hilarious. The, the the bringing in Doctor Strange and the Hulk is is hilarious and fun. The art is so all the art is fantastic. Obviously, going to be great. Um, the the there's wonderful fight scenes. Uh, it is a wacky kind of the idea is that everybody's asleep, and uh, so we have you know nightmare world where anything can be happening, and the Hulk and Doctor Strange are <laughs> battling these tentacle monsters while Silver Surfer is you know bopping through different nightmares. Uh, I was laughing. I was entertained. There's great action sequences. This is a thoroughly awesome issue of a comic book. I loved it. Can I just pick up this one, or do I should I go back for the? You can for sure, but yes, I would say yes, you can. Um, okay. It explains to you in the beginning, you know, the recap page who these characters are. I mean, I think I, I read like th- I read one, two, and three, but I didn't read four. So you don't you don't really need to. Just they're back on Earth. The Silver Surfer's trapped. And uh, he can't get, he literally can't leave the earth. And um, so they're hanging out in Cape Cod. All right. For Steven, uh, for Steven and Bruce, I will. And it's just, it, it, I mean, Jeff nailed it. It's, it's a really fun comic. And I'm not usually a big Dan Slott fan, but I think he really fit, finds the, the tone in this book pretty well. And it works for these characters in this strange situation where you've got the, the herald of Galactus with the power of cosmic hanging out in a quaint bed and breakfast <laughs> yeah. with, with this woman and her family and, and uh, wacky adventures keep happening, and I just think it's it's wonderful. And the Mike Allred is like born to draw Silver Surfer. I agree. So, it's... if you want to buy a surfboard and <laughs> a silver bodysuit, I, I guess you couldn't buy like spray paint, but you could. It would just come right off. All other accoutrement for uh, for cosplaying as the Silver Surfer, or if you wanted to buy some Doctor Who Blu-rays because it's a similar kind of tone to the Silver Surfer run, you might go over to ifanboy.com slash Amazon and we get a little piece of the action. Uh, no extra cost to you, but it helps us out. comes right out of Amazon's pocket and isn't that awesome. Uh, so you can check that out. Or 
If you want to donate more directly, you go to ifanboy.com slash registration, and for $3 a month or $30 a year, or really any donation price, uh, you can help us keep the lights on. We appreciate that. So last time we talked about Star Wars 20, which we, we didn't know if that was the last issue of Dark Horse's epic Star Wars era, but this is actually the last issue, Star Wars Legacy 18, right, Paul? This is it? This is the last issue this of is, the This is the last stand. This is... Um... Much with you know, this, this is a week of endings. Uh, you know, All Star Western ended, and uh, so did this. So, Star Wars Legacy eighteen, Karina Becco and Gabriel Hardman, uh, the conclusion of their story. And what I like about it is that there's all this Jedi stuff going on, and Jedi versus Sith, and um, all the all the conflicts from that first issue coming to a head. But they remember that their main character is a Solo, mm-hmm. uh, not a Skywalker. And so she just shoots dudes. So, <laughs> so you have this conflict where a Jedi is holding a lightsaber over uh, the Sith uh, Lord, the Sith Master, who's got both of his hands chopped off, and is basically saying, end it, end the Sith, just kill me, just do it. And the Jedi's all pissed because all of this death and dying has been going on, and he's going to you know, he's gonna kill him. And then he realizes, no, I don't want to give in to hate. I want to be one of the good Jedi. I don't want to be a Sith. And so he lets him go, but then immediately <laughs> their main character, uh, Anya Solo, uh, just shoots the guy. Um, and she's offered an opportunity to be like the the, uh, the head guard for the queen or the empress. And she says, no, I'm just going to go have some more adventures. I so think that car- because so often, even if you have a solo kind of character, um, if you have the, the, the Han Solo kind of character in the story – they're not the main character or it's a smaller story. Um, it's like a side adventure. It's like one of Han's lost adventures here. You get a big, you know, really important galaxy spanning adventure where there are huge repercussions to the balance of the, of the forest, to the light side and the dark side. But they remember that their main character is not a Jedi is not a force user is, uh, a, a junker basically who has adventures and it ends in, in a, in a similar way. She's not on a boat going out to, uh, uh, be a pirate. to be, be a pirate or she's not, it's not the Louisiana purchase. Um, but it's like one year later and her and, uh, AG 37, who's their IG 88, um, and, and sock the, uh, the Mon Calamari are, you know, we've gotten trouble again and they're in a shootout and it's exactly the way that should be with those characters. And I've, I've really enjoyed that group. And, uh, you know, it's 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 a bittersweet thing because it's 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 a nice ending to the story. I wish that Gabe had gotten to draw that issue. Um, oh, I thought he was drawing this issue. I I no, I think he he. I don't know if he did. He might have done some like some parts of it, but not the whole issue. No, um, I might be wrong about that. But but anyways, um, he didn't do the whole issue. So that that's you know. That, was a, so that a brings to close a, a really epic yeah, that's era the, that's of the comics, thing. which it's we're like going to talk about in a minute with the audience question. But, I mean, that was a decade, double decade long. You know, when I was in high school, when Star Wars wasn't cool at the time, the comics were. And yeah. So this, it was a, it's a really important thing. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, Jeff, Fantastic Four number nine. I remember last time you were on, we talked about Fantastic Four. Are you still, yeah. You're still reading this? I am. Yeah, it's a it's a fun book. Um, I like that the not afraid to mess with the status quo. I mean, I guess 
that's been that's been the status quo for FF in the last few years is to mess with the status quo. But um, it's interesting that we're having uh, Reed Richards in this one uh, be tempted into this what I can only assume will end up being a bad, <laughs> bad situation, this utopian science world, uh, which is a really cool idea. It's like yeah. this M.C. Escher uh, uni- or, you know, uh, city that this guy is building uh, that's supposed to be a, a utopia. And uh, we have the children that have been taken away. We got uh, uh, Johnny with no powers. We got Ben in prison. It's a, it's a bad scene for the FF. And it's fun how all these different um, – all these different venues are are touched on in this issue. Um, it, it feels like we're leading up to something big. There's not a ton of stuff that happens. We get a big, you know, fight with Ben Grimm in, in jail, but and a big reveal that uh, she thing has been running running stuff. And it's a little bit of a you know cheesy Marvel it's kind of old school cheesy Marvel uh, issue uh, and series really. But but you know I'm I'm having a good, well, good enough time with it. I mean it's, it's the oldest trick in the book to tear the Fantastic Four apart. However. I think what James Robinson's done here is interesting. I like I like where he's put all all these characters. Yeah. And as you said, I mean this 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 world that Reed has found himself in seems like the ideal place for him, but obviously it's not going to be. But it's it's interesting. And Johnny's in an interesting place. But what's cool about it is, as <clears throat> I get really emotional about where Johnny is, <laughs> uh, so he has got his, he doesn't have his powers. So they've brought in Jim Hammond, the original Human Torch, as a sort of background character. So you still have a Human Torch in this book, and he's been looking after the kids. I think there's all very interesting things going on. Obviously, it's going to lead to something bad, but where he's got them is is interesting, is good. Yeah, and I, I'm I agree. Enjoying it. Um, yeah. So now, Batman Eternal is the kind of book that I read. I, I think of it akin to a TV show I watch while I do the dishes or uh, <laughs> read a magazine, sort of on in the background. But every once in a while something interesting happens and I look up. Um, <laughs> and Batman Eternal 21 was the big reveal issue where we find out who's actually been behind all this shenanigans. Hush, don't say it. Hush. <laughs> if you recall, uh, Jim Gordon has been, was accused of a mass murder in the beginning. He's been in jail. He was just convicted right. of the mass murder. And so now he's in prison. We find out the supposedly good hero cop who's come in to, to – uh, take his or step into his shoes while he was in prison isn't actually part of the bad guys, which was not a surprise at all. But the reveal, the villain was revealed, and and who was it, Jeff? I'm not going to say. Hush, hush, be quiet. Okay. <laughs> um, it did make me groan because I hate that character. So, <laughs> um, yeah. I but there were some good sequences. I liked Alfred's part where he, you know, he gets to be a little bit of James Bondy. Uh, that was rad. That was the best part of the book. Um, where he's like, my my boss has a problem with guns, but I don't. <laughs> kind of rad. Um, but I just hate whoever that character is that I can't remember. <laughs> um, so there you go. Superman 34. We're all Superman fans here. Yeah. And, and we're not going to talk about Man of Steel. I know everyone hates it. <laughs> <laughs> you did. We were, I wasn't going to bring We're not going to talk about it. We're just going to mention it. <laughs> okay. Um, so I feel like, Jeff, this would be a book that you, you would dig, I think. Oh, you say that and I, I'm not reading it. <laughs> is it good? I lo- I mean I love John Romita uh so I should be reading it but I you know I don't know. All is still lighting your fire. I was I was wary about it in the beginning because I don't know I was <laughs> new 52 Superman it's but I I'm really enjoying this. I think this it is feels good. very much for throwback. It yeah it it doesn't feel like a new 52 book. It feels like and everybody and people are Superman has a friend. He has a new friend. <laughs> Oh, uh, what? Is this Ulysses guy? Is it, a, 
He's mean to him sometimes. I mean, he shoots him with <laughs> optic blasts, by, but that's by accident because the the machinists uh, put like weird um, nanobots on his cheeks. Listen, if you hang out with Superman, sooner or later you're going to get hit with optic blasts. It's just, oh, sorry, uh... Superman, my bad. And then Superman's <laughs> like, I'll let me get that off of you. And it was all right. I and... just really liked the scene where they're visiting Ulysses' parents and he's Superman sort of sitting on the couch and he just looks like... He looks more like Clark Kent than Superman. It was nice. It was. Yeah. I liked that. We don't get. We don't get that so often. Um, I, I, you know, I very, you know, I miss the era of Francis Manipal's uh, crypto, and now we're in the era of you know crypto being a, a terrifying saber toothed cat for some reason. Um, this feels more like that other thing. This feel. This this is uh, a gentler, nicer, you know, and then and and Ulysses is like. I've I've traced back, you know, the, the the energy signature of this thing that was attacking Metropolis. Let's go find it. And Superman's like, "Cool, I'll get my cape." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, that's exact. That's what I want. That's what I want." Yeah, it's cool. I mean, they bring is Jeff Johns is sort of reasserting the old stuff, bringing back the Daily Planet as a as a backdrop, bringing back those the supporting characters, a kinder, gentler Superman, and Ramita draws him younger, which is which makes sense. So if you are Someone who's missed that, like Jeff, 32, 33, and this one, 34. We're three issues into this new run. and uh, All right, I'll go buy them. The water is safe. It didn't, mm. it didn't immediately capture the magic of like when uh, Johns was doing action comics, but uh, it's... Look, it's he still that. looks stupid. He still, yeah, he's got he the still weird looks cuffs. Stupid. There's all these like, nice moments where it's like, just erase, the, like, just give him a crew neck. Don't need turtleneck, weird, mock turtleneck thing. He's got those weird extra long sleeves. But so far, so good. He's got like, he's got the superhero equivalent of like those, um, those gamer sweatshirts that have like the <laughs> thumb hole. You don't, uh. need that. you don't need that in your life, Superman. Low, low number two. Now I missed the discussion of low number one when it was pick of the week. I yep. didn't even, I haven't even heard the show yet because I still haven't read all those books yet. But uh, Rick Remender is such an interesting writer right now. Mm-hmm. He's telling all kinds of different. He's staying sort of firmly in the in the sci-fi world. Although I wouldn't classify Deadly Class as sci-fi, um, but Low is another sci-fi book, and uh, it's it's really interesting how nakedly personal he's being in these books. Yeah, I say naked, nakedly I, naked. Yeah, I, I didn't mean, I didn't mean <laughs> to make that pun, but I was staring at the cover, so maybe that's just <laughs> what happened. But uh, you know, this is a story of people who are society underwater because the sun is expanding and i remember reading his essay in the first issue about how he got freaked out when he learned the sun would expand and eat the earth eventually and i remember, i did the exact same thing when i was a kid when i found out but that was what was going to happen eventually yeah, nothing i, I do out. is going to matter nothing is going to last everyone's going like, to die yeah like that scene in uh in annie hall he's like he won't do his homework what's the point <laughs> exactly what yeah. is the point so but I, I like that he's exploring optimism in this book i just i just, I, I i don't love it yet but i do find it really interesting I uh, I really enjoy this book. Um, I've, I've and I've I've always liked uh, Greg Dottini stuff since mm-hmm. um, the uh, Last Days of American Crime, I believe it's called with yep. Remender Also, um, just beautiful stuff, and and the yeah, colors really is. is fantastic as well. Um, I, I don't like the colors. You don't like the colors? I I wish his art was colored differently. I wish it was more detailed. I, I don't like the sort of faux watercolor look. Okay. I, 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 I love the I love the lines and I love I such really really cool compositions. I just wish the colors were were less abstracted and more. There's, yeah, there's a little bit of a, like an impressionistic kind of thing going on in a in a flat way, 
with the colors and when you slow down and like actually stare at them they do appear really simple like they're just sort of color swatches overlaying over overlaying or overlaying the the the, the line work um but i think if you read it at a at a, at a rapid pace it, it as as it's intended it it makes sense um i just i like i like the palette i guess i should say um it's okay like, if you like and Jeff not follow. No, okay. no, I'm just. Well, no, we're I'm, all I'm, 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 no, I'm just I trying really to dig the book. I'm just trying to book. articulate I, it. It's just that I, I really like the warm colors, and you think you know it's an underwater world. You're thinking it's going to be a lot of blues and greens and stuff, and we'll there's a that. lot of uh, yellow, a lot of yellows and, and warm oranges. But but anyways, um, I, I agree. I like I like that it's um it's it's this examination of optimism. Like if Rick Remender is going to do a book about an optimist. He's going to make you work for it. He's going to, he's going, <laughs> you see, you know, the intensity of the light. Um, there's also some shadows around that. Well, it's optimism in the face of horrible, tra- horrible tragedy. Otherwise, you know, yeah. it's, not, it's not too hard to be an optimist. I think, I think if, if you, if you told someone this is, it's a, it's this book about hope and it's hopeful. And I think you're going to have a very different idea of what, you know, without the context of what they're getting into. And you open this book and it's this guy is having, you know, hallucinatory sex with a prostitute in an alley and he murders her, you know, trying to kill this cop. And, um, and he's the cop. He's trying to kill the pimp. He's the pimp. Right. Excuse me. Yeah, he's the cop. Right. And uh, so it's 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 pretty bleak. Um, and then while he's having a conversation with his mom, basically telling her, can you please stop holding out hope that uh, my sisters are alive after 10 years being kidnapped by pirates, basically? Um, could you please also, stop hoping? Also, the air is going to go bad. We're all going to die anyway. We're all so going to die of the toxins. Yeah, that's yeah, that's. <laughs> I don't know. I, I it took me a couple of issues to really fall in love with Deadly Class. So I'm hoping the same thing happens with Low. I don't dislike it. I do quite like it. I just haven't. I love Deadly Class. I love Black Science. I'm hoping to love Low as much as I love those. And I kind of like that. There's depending on who you're talking to, you know, there's a different listing of of who likes what more. Like, I know you guys are big Black Science fans. I like it too, but I prefer Low and and Deadly Class. Uh, I just he's putting out some really great stuff right now, and yeah, all of it's beautiful. Is <laughs> the thing he's working with some really great artists. He does have great partners and all this stuff. So that is Low number two, and those are the books of the week. You can go to fanboy.com. You can talk about those books. You can talk about other books that came out that we didn't get a chance to talk about. You can do whatever you want. Within the reason and the law at ifanboy.com. So now, Paul, why don't you read for us our audience question of the week? Sure. Uh, Andrew from Canada writes, I wanted to pick your brain about any experience you guys have had with respect to the transfer of licenses from one publisher to another, be it of characters or properties. I was a huge fan of Dark Horse Comics Star Wars books, though I didn't care for some of their later works like Brian Wood's Star Wars and was frustrated that they canceled some of the better series like John Jackson Miller's Knights of the Old Republic, and John Ostrander's Legacy. But they had some amazing stuff. Knights of the Old Republic is what got me into reading comics in the first place, seeing issue number one on the shelf of my university's on-site comic book store. All universities should have that, by the way. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah and Legacy, Dark Empire, Crimson Empire, and Tales of the Jedi remain some of my favorite comic series. All that said, I'm hopeful for the new Marvel Star Wars series. The other experience I had was with Doctor Who. I didn't realize that IDW lost the license until I went to look up a series that I had bought the first volume of on Comixology and found it removed from the store. First of all, that should not happen, <laughs> no matter removed what's going on. Removed from the store on. or removed from his account? I don't know. Mm. 
Um, I'm about to buy the first issues of the two new Titan series, but I loved what I read from IDW, and I don't understand why the license moved. Uh, do you have any experience slash stories with license transfers? Some series that got canceled because the license moved or a beloved character lost to another company. Do license transfers tend to be good things? What's funny is the subject line of this email was like license transfers. And so I saw it and I was like, what? Was someone trying to, like, I thought it was a business related email. But <laughs> <laughs> Dear <laughs> sir. Yeah. Um, first of all, awesome he had a comic store on, on site in, in his college. That would have made life a lot easier for me. Um, but uh, I had one not too far from my campus. Oh, it wasn't far. I said to take the bus. And you don't want to take the bus. I could. I could have walked if I wanted well, and this, In this day of internet, Delivered comic books right to your iPad. You know, it's it's all it's a different world now. Yeah. Anyway, listen, this, this uh, having the comic store off campus allows me to have one of my favorite Ron stories, and that is, uh, <laughs> we, we were not friends, <laughs> although we knew each other, but we weren't friends. Friends uh, at the time, uh, we had kind of had a couple classes together, so we knew who we were, and we ran to each other at the comic store on Wednesday and chatted, and he bought our books, and I went to wait for the bus, and he went and got in his car. And it was snowing. He drove right past me. He didn't even bother to offer me a ride back to campus. Splashing the water right onto your face. And the comics were soaked. And it like happened in slow motion. And there was just like <laughs> yeah. this knowing stare between the two of you. It was like it's like that uh the bit in season one of the wire where uh Daniels is going like one way down the street in the SUV and, and Avon's going the other way. Right. <laughs> like looking exactly. at each other. I see you. Yeah. And I heard him laugh on the way up. Anyway, so, so licenses. <laughs> well, the, re, the the big one that I thought about, there really, there aren't a ton because licensed comics tend to be comics I'm not overly interested in for the most part. But you know, very famously, GI Joe has bounced around a bunch of companies. And growing up, GI Joe is one of my favorites. It was a Marvel comic, and then the first, in, with much fanfare, the first company to get the license after Marvel was Devil's Due, and that was in 2001. Mm. They did the book for a long time. And then IDW's had the license since then, and they've all been—they've all done good series. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't really necessarily matter who the company that's publishing the book is; it just matters who they get who they get to do the work. And uh, Marvel's got some heavy hitters on their Star Wars books, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm looking forward to those. I don't know—I'm not super excited, but I'll, I'll read them all. Yeah, I tend not to read any licensed books really. Um, It'd be great if, you know, since Marvel is Disney is Star Wars, uh, that the circle of life will continue and there will be some interplay between what's happening in that universe and the comic series. And that would be fun. But and maybe I'll check that. Maybe that will bring me into that universe a little more comic book wise. But I tend not to read any books that are other things. I I like uh, original comic properties. So actually, you just made me think something. Marvel was the original licensor for, for Star Wars comics. So, yeah. In a way, they're coming home. That's true. And I know that. I know that the the, the Dark Horse books are really popular people, and amongst the fans of those books, and people really like them. And I, I totally understand that. I was a big fan. You know, when I was in the '90s, that Dark Empire, that was one of the first non-Marvel DC books I bought. And Dark Horse put it out, and it was great. And uh, over the years, I've read them here and there, but I was never really like an old Knights of the Old Republic fan or that kind of thing. But you know, Marvel started off. They had the license way back in the early '80s. It wasn't it between. Star Wars and Empire? Yeah, because they had Luke running around in that yellow jacket. That yeah, that's everyone true. assumed he'd be wearing in the next movie. Um, 
But I mean, this this is this is there was years and years. Howard Chaykin did stuff back then on yeah. Star Wars. I mean, this is years and years and years of Marvel comics. Yeah, Marvel and they're, Star Wars they're putting out a big collection of those as well. Uh, I think in January. Um, well, what's really funny is Marvel just twisted the knife by announcing the collection of the Dark Horse books that yeah. they're putting out, which <laughs> made me laugh for its audaciousness, but also it's like, really? Did you have to? I mean, the body's not even cold yet on the Dark Horse <laughs> license. And they've already announced they're collecting them. But, um, you know, Paul, what do you think? I, I mean, I'm trying to think of other licenses where I was like, oh, no, I was really enjoying this over it, you know. IDW and then they moved it somewhere else. I I have not had that experience that I can recall, um, and nothing. I mean, nothing comes close to you know Dark Horse losing Star Wars and that going to Marvel. That's mm-hmm. just sort of unprecedented. I mean, because that was. I mean, Dark Horse was Dark Horse. They were the custodians of mm-hmm. Star Wars, as you said, when nobody was talking about it, when it wasn't in the zeitgeist. And keeping that, you know, keeping that flame alive. And I mean, I don't know if people would just have, you know, totally forgotten Star Wars entirely and, you know, the prequels and anything that's happened after the what know, would have happened. I'm sorry. <laughs> the uh, there's no good Man alternative to that. I mean, yeah, oh, God. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I mean, I but it's. It's a huge place in the the canon of the story that a lot of people like really latched onto and there's nothing like that. And as I was reading it, I was like, Oh, like the dark horse or like the, the doctor who thing. And then he mentioned doctor who. So, um, that's, but that's, I mean, obviously it sucks for people if they're into that story and it has to go away because of some business things, which which sucks. But you know, and with, with doctor who this, this kind of makes sense because it's, you know, it's a regeneration. So they're going to be doing the new doctor stuff as I understand it. So it's sort of like it's if you're going to switch, you know, the license, you know, to another publisher, you know, this is a a good jumping off point, at least. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. I mean, the guys they've got doing the Marvel books are really heavy hitters. So like Mark Wade and Jason Aaron and Kieran Gillen are no one to sneeze at. Right. So we'll I'm only I'm going to check those out based on that alone. I'm not really excited. If it is not doing it for me, I won't read them. But beyond you know the first couple but i'll check those out for sure based on the talent they've got going when are yeah. those supposed to hit i don't know i have uh, the press release somewhere but we'll i'll, I'll let you know jeff <laughs> um, do you remember let's just for a second do you remember that time in like the early 90s when star wars wasn't a thing oh yeah paul you won't remember because you were probably one or two but um i was it was seven or eight but yeah but I mean, I'm, you know, it wasn't. Well, and even, then the Timothy Zahn books came out, and that was the real. Yeah, that, that was, was the real thing. Shot into the arm, yeah. But it was just—it's just funny to think back to a time when Star Wars wasn't really, yeah, a factor in the in the zeitgeist. Yep. So I mean, that, you know, what's <laughs> this is totally left field here, but I don't know if either of you guys saw the movie Boyhood. No, but I keep I want keep wanting to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a a scene in that where they talk about the idea that there will never be any star Wars movies again. And it's, it's a contemporary reference to what's happening at that time. And it's, it, it's, it's funny, but anyway, yeah. Uh, they're, they're shooting it at that time. It looks, <laughs> so it looks, it looks like January for, uh, for star Wars. And then they're rolling out the others as mini series, you know, in, in like March, so hmm. February and March. So Anderson, yeah, Canada, uh, 
Definitely sucks if you're a fan of that Dark Horse world, but if you're, you know, if you're a Star Wars fan, you might as well give these a shot. I think, I think the bigger problem there is I hope that Comixology or whatever, they, like he didn't lose comics that he bought. Well, the way he strange. wrote it, it's hard to say from the way he wrote it. It sounds like he just wasn't in the store anymore. Okay. But if they pulled yeah, it, it off of his... it removed from the store. So maybe he got in before the, before the I can't buy it anymore. I think that's maybe what he's saying is that he, he bought them and now you can't even buy them. That's what it sounds like. And that's fairly normal for a license change. Things You're not allowed to sell them anymore, obviously. And Dark Horse isn't going to be allowed to sell. They're not going to be able to print new Star Wars books. They'll be able to sell what they've got, but they can't make new ones. That's just how the license works. So, Andrew from Canada, it sucks, but give these new ones a shot. You might as well see. They, they could be good. If anything, it balances out the force since you had an on-site campus comic book shop. Yeah, jerk. <laughs> yeah. Serves you right. Yeah, things can't be too good for you. <laughs> We can't hand you life on a silver platter. <laughs> God, up that hill with the snow and run, cackling in the distance. E- email us at contact at ifanboy.com or leave us a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS-326-2697. Tell us who you are, where you're from, and keep it around 30 seconds. Now, Jeff, tell us about your many, many shows. Well, the, the most recent one I have uh, is called We Have Concerns. It's at wehaveconcerns.com, and I hope people listening to this will give it a shot. It's it's a 20 to 25-minute show three times a week, and it's a little bit of comedy and a little bit of sort of science and philosophy. We like to say we make you think and we make you laugh. Um, it was number eight on the iTunes comedy listings for podcasts, and uh, we're super proud of it. So if people give that a, a chance, we have concerns.com. Also, if you're into video games, uh, DLC is at 5x5.tv slash DLC every Monday. I thought I'd give you a rest from the video game world this week and bring you over to the comic world where there's never any problems with, with <laughs> fandom or gender issues or anything like that. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Paul, Paul, what else do we have that we did recently? So, so some other podcasts that you'll find on this feed, uh, we did the guardians of the galaxy special edition podcast. I kind of, I would kind of like to go see that movie again this weekend. I might, I have a free ticket. So, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, that was a lot of fun. Uh, Ron came in and talked about that. Uh, Connor didn't show up because he doesn't like movies anymore. I was Um, at the beach. He was at the beach. Uh, We also did a special edition on uh, Batman Assault on Arkham. Uh, if you're if you're limited on time as to uh, listen to podcasts, (laughs) just don't just the short answer is don't don't get that movie. Uh, it, it, or it don't was, even listen to the podcast it, or don't even bother with the podcast it was um it was uh, man that was a rough one um and if i could do one more plug working very hard laboring very hard on the new comic book website panels so you can head over to panels.net you can uh, put in your email address and we'll let you know when the website is ready which will be we have some sort of uh eta on that some sort of general eta other than fall uh we will be entertaining you before halloween maybe well before halloween so because I've go. got this – there's a steakhouse coming into my neighborhood. It's been summer of 2014 the whole year. And I have to say, <laughs> if you're listening to this on Sunday, it's the official last day of summer. So I want my steak. And I want my panels website. Yeah. Paul, don't be the steakhouse of comic book websites. There are articles yeah. written. We've got we've got a dev site going, so and everything's looking all pretty. Uh, we've got uh, you've got your panels pick of the week podcast coming. We're, well, uh, <laughs> actually, we we did the, the just like the preview sort of placeholder podcast, so that's ready to go. And uh, you should call it that panels pre- placeholder podcast. <laughs> it's episode zero, and, uh, and it's just short telling you everything. You know what what's going on, what we're going to be doing with the podcast, and it's going to be more like a current events kind of show, like what's what's you going call on. It in comics. <laughs> 
Just, I'm just giving you ideas. I'm throwing out there. It's goals. I'm, I'm, writing, I'm writing all of them down. All right, perfect. On this notepad. P-cubed. So, until that comes up, P-cubed. Perfect. There you go. Until you head, uh, until the, that comes out, you can still head over to ryfanboy.com. You can comment on this show. You can listen to the Guardians of the Galaxy show, the Batman Assault on Arkham show, any of the shows we have at ryfanboy.com, including last week's episode 450, which you can go there and you can see the video feed, or you can go to our youtube.com slash ryfanboy also to see the video feed of the... Three and a half hours that we did. Worth Paul? it just to watch the first 45 minutes where we're trying to figure <laughs> out Google Hangouts. <laughs> they changed the interface on us. <laughs> we shouldn't have hit record so early. Well, you can uh, you can follow iFanboy at twitter.com slash iFanboy and facebook.com slash iFanboy. And you can follow us all individually, C.S. Kilpatrick, Fuzzy Typewriter, and Jeff Kanata. If you use a service once a year... Uh, it tends to be different this is when you come back to it. Just find the buttons. <laughs> it's like, what is that? <laughs> Finally, if you would like this show, write a review on iTunes or for our show, for Jeff's shows, for Paul's upcoming P-Cubed show, any podcast you listen to, <laughs> they'd all appreciate if you go to iTunes, write a review. It's how people find shows. It helps people know that this show is good and uh, that they should listen. So if you can go to iTunes, just take a few minutes to write a review. Everyone who does a podcast would really appreciate that. Uh, spread the podcasting love all around the podcasting community. It's a small community, uh, yeah. not very wealthy. It's uh, what's happening right now. I don't know. <laughs> Doing this, I haven't eaten lunch, and I want to put my head down on the desk. This is a whole blood sugar thing. We're gonna, we're gonna let you. I'm fading, fading. So that's this week's show. Thank you, Jeff, for sitting in for for Josh. He didn't uh, even tell us where the hell he is. He just said, "I'm not pleasure. gonna be around," and left. Anytime I can be where Josh is not, <laughs> it's a good, I'm, I'm it's a good happy to have in life. Really. <laughs> Paul, I don't need to thank you. You're always here. Yeah, I'm always here. I'm always around. Uh, so until next week, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. And I'm Jeff. You.